So last week <clears throat> he released this word and uh, I was trying to move away from it, but the Lord kept bringing me back. So I want to, I want to release this word. Uh, go to John 10 verse 10. One scripture. I'm going to stay in this one scripture and I want to pull out some spiritual truths for you this morning. Um, there's already breakthrough in the room. There's already victory in the room. So while this word is going forth, I'm challenging you to just receive everything that God is releasing through this word. Okay. Elbow your neighbor and say, be a little thirsty today. Very familiar. Bible says the thief does not come except to steal, to kill and to destroy. I have come. This is Jesus talking that they may have what? That they may have what? And that they may have it more abundantly. I have come that they may have what? And that they may have it more what? Want to talk from this thought. I'm living the life that he promised. Living the life that he promised. Right up under that, my subtitle is living in him. Part two. Living in him. Part two. Living the life that he promised. Um, as we've entered into the month of June, which is the sixth month of the year, which would suggest that we have entered into the halfway point of 2018. Um, anybody that knows anything about a halfway point, I'm, I'm a sports guy. So every every majority of sports uh, arenas have halftime. And so it is at at halftime that you bring everybody in. And you get a breather, you get your water, you get your Gatorade, you get your, get your win. And the coach stands up in front of the team before they go out for the second half. And he gives them a little motivation, gives them a little encouragement. And so I feel like I'm the coach today. And so we're at halftime. And so I need you guys to, to really pay attention to this halftime speech because this speech is going to catapult you to the next level by the end of this year. Living the life that he promised. Okay. Living, uh, the word live means to have life. It means to be alive. It's being capable of vital functions. Live means to be full of life, to have energy or activity. It means to show the characteristics of life. It means to remain alive or in existence. It's functioning, it's going, it's living, it's on, it's operating, it's operational, it's operative, it's running, it's working, it's effective, it's effectual, it's employable, it's operatable, it's usable, it's viable, it's workable, it's performing, producing, productive, serving, it's useful, it's yielding, it's, it's being stirred, it's being uh, 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 bustering, it's being busy. Dynamic, flourishing, humming, roaring, thriving, living. And in this season of my life, as I'm entering to the second half, I just need to encourage myself every now and then. And I think you should do the same. You need to get in the mirror at your next available time and just shout to yourself, live. 
live the life that he promised. Now I have, I have some, some, some things that I need to share with you. I got about four points and I'm going to hit these and I need you to receive it. If you're going to live the life that he promised, number one, living starts with a choice. Living starts with a choice. You have to understand that if you are going to live this life that he promised, you have to make the right decisions. This is not just something that you just going to get. There comes a time where you're going to have to make a decision. If you read this John chapter 10 verses 1 through 5 really talks about uh, the good shepherd and following his voice. And it talks about how uh, uh, um, when, when the enemy comes and try to deceive the sheep. God speaks or the shepherd speaks and the sheep know his voice and a stranger he will not uh, he will not uh, pay attention to. He would run from that's what the Bible says. But I need you to understand something about sheep. Many people know uh, sheep to be naive and some may call sheep dumb. But you have to understand sheep are not as dumb as we think because sheep have has the right to make decisions. So when the shepherd calls the sheep, the sheep is in a position where he can either follow the voice of the shepherd or he can do what he wants to do. Uh, Many times in the church, God is speaking and we make a choice. Either I can follow the voice of the shepherd or I can do what I want to do. It's not enough just to hear his voice, but you have to make the decision to follow his voice. Somebody say it's a choice. If you're going to live the life he promised you, you have to be in position to make the right choice. Uh, uh, get up, Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. Choices, choices. You got to understand that everything uh, it comes as a result result of the choices that you make. And you get upset with your result, but you never get upset at yourself for making the wrong choice. Ain't no sense of you getting mad at the results because you made the decision to do what you did to get the reason. It's called, it's cause and effect. Okay, watch this. Verse 17, I I, I got this revelation last night and I want to share it with you. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Can you put that up in the King James Version? I want to, I want to really break this scripture down. Yeah. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I need you to understand this. When you're living uh, uh, to get living the life that he promised, there is a decision. If you look at this text, Paul writes to the church of Corinth. He says, therefore, if, if, when you see the word, if you have to understand if in this content, it's not a statement, but it speaks from a form of a question. For instance, uh, when you're talking to your, your buddies, you say, hey, man, I'm going to run down here to the store. I'm just letting you know if you want to roll with me. Right. Uh, we, we going to the movies uh, right after church. I'm just letting you know if you want to come, you could come. It speaks to a choice. And so when he says if it lets you know that there's an opportunity to make a right decision or a wrong decision, but it, nonetheless, there is a choice. So he says, if I need to, I need you to watch this. He says, if any man, any man really speaks to the, the, uh, the opportunity because this, if is not just for certain people it's for any man, any man, watch the stipulations, any man being in Christ. And so you <laughs> Come on, y'all be a good class. I don't have a lot of time, okay? I need you to catch it. Therefore, if any man 
speaking to the choice and the opportunity. Be in Christ. He is a new creature. Old things that pass away, behold, all things. Watch this here. He says, if any man which speaks to the choice and the opportunity, be in Christ. You already know that if we're going to live the life that he promised, we have to live in him. Right? And so living in Christ puts us in position to receive the life that we really want. If any man speaks to the choice and the opportunity, be in Christ, which speaks to having an established relationship with Christ. So watch this. All of the stuff that you want from Christ starts with the choice and the opportunity. You with me? Okay. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. New creature would suggest that you've been made over or you have an affirmed identity. So he says, old things are passed away, which means the old stuff, uh, you move past the old. He said, all things become new. You start fresh. So I need you to look at it from this perspective. He says, if any man takes advantage of the choice and the opportunity and establishes a relationship with me, we'll have an affirmed identity, which will put you in a place to move past the old and start fresh. All of that starts with a choice. Okay. Are you with me? Jesus oftentimes, if you read the, if you read the, the uh, if you read these, the Bible stories about Jesus, you'll know the gospel writers, uh, they would write these stories about Jesus and Jesus always, oftentimes, uh, I should say, he asked people, uh, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be healed? Do you want your sight? Do you want this? Do you want that? Because I believe that Jesus was giving people an opportunity to make the choice. And watch this. He wasn't asking because he wanted you to think whether or not he can do it. He can do it, but he wanted to know whether or not you were able to choose to get it done. Many times in the church, we are faced with opportunities and we make the wrong choice. That's why we have the results that we have. Y'all don't like me talking about choices. Well, y'all not going to like this because with every choice comes responsibility and accountability. Uh, if you ask Sarah, you know the story of Abraham, Abraham and Sarah, God made a promise to Abraham. He said, y'all going to have a baby. And so y'all going to have a promise. He makes a promise. Abraham was a hundred. And so was Sarah. So they weren't able to produce. And so watch this. Not, it, it was not that Sarah really didn't trust God. She just decided to make a choice to help God out. And so whenever you make a choice to help God out, you are obligated to deal with the responsibility and the accountability of the results. So what happened? Sarah gets the promise from God. God says, you're going to have a baby. Sarah starts laughing. Ha ha ha. You crazy. So what Sarah does is she makes the decision to get Hagar, her, her man maiden, and say, well, since I don't think I can produce, I'm going to make this decision and give you my handmaiden, And so you can go ahead and get a baby with her. Watch this. If you read the story carefully, she made the right, wrong decision, but she had to reap the benefit and the results of having a, 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 a baby mama in the same household. And if you read it, she really didn't like it because she had beef with Haggai because Haggai's child at the time had favor from the father. But watch this. Had she made the right choice, she wouldn't have had to deal with the negative results. Can I help you? Many of you are trying to help. Yes, Lord. Many of you are trying to help God out and you're making the wrong choice and you're going to have to be accountable for the results of the decisions that you make. The 
choice, choice, choice. Uh, the man by the pool of Bethesda, 38 years, right? Uh, Jesus shows up and he says, hey man, do you want to be made well? Here's the choice. The man by the pool, instead of answering the question, making the right choice, he decides to give excuses. Do you want to be made well? Well, you know what, Jesus? Uh, I ain't got no man to put me in the pool when the pool is stirring. No, that's Bible. And see, some of us, we have, <laughs> I have an issue with this guy, but that ain't my subject. I have an issue with this guy because, let me tell you something, if I'm waiting for 38 years, I'm going to make the choice to get as close to the pool as I could get. Y'all ain't saying nothing. 38 years, I'm not finna be waiting in the same spot. By the time Jesus would have got to me, my toe would have already been in the water. Hey, Jesus, I've been waiting on you. You talk about a choice. Do you want to be made well? Is my toe in the water? Living, living the life that God promised starts with a choice. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 11 says, wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. Everything starts with a choice. So number one, living requires the right decision. You got to make a choice. Number two, living requires relationship with Christ. If you look at John chapter 10 uh, in this particular text, if you read it around the seventh verse, seven through nine or something like that, it really talks about Christ being the door. He, 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 he gives a parable and he speaks to, to them from the example of him being the door. And you have to understand that, that, that everything starts with Christ. He's the door. Okay, now watch this. What does the door represent? The door represents an entrance or a gate or an entry point to start. The door represents access. If you're going to live the life that he promised, you have to make sure that you are in him so that you can gain access. Uh, PC, Pastor Clyde. He is, him and Deacon Gray, they like the gatekeepers of Lifeline. Deacon Brian got the keys to everything in the church, right? He represents access. So if I want to gain the access that he has, I need to make sure that I'm in covenant or relationship with him. Y'all, watch, watch where I'm going. Watch where I'm going. If you want access to everything that God has for you, it is in your best interest to become one with him. Relationship. See, many of us, we want all the stuff and the benefits from Christ, but we don't want to take the time to get to know him. That's one of the issues with church. We want to come to church and we want to jump and shout and we want to receive the healing and we want to be free and we want to receive all the blessings, but we don't want to take the time to invest in the relationship. That's why, that's why I got a revelation, Chris. That's why it's so hard for people to come in church and really give God real worship because worship is not predicated on what God has done, but it's predicated on who he is. And if you have not established a relationship with who he is, you can't enter into the gates with thanksgiving, into his course with praise. It's impossible because you don't know who you're worshiping. Living requires relationship. 
I like access. Uh, get Psalms 23 on. I want to show you something. When you, when you're, when you have a relationship with, with God, he gives you access to certain benefits that many other people don't have. Psalms 23 verses one, one and two, you can stand in King James. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Whenever you see the word is, that would suggest that we have relationship. Lakeisha is. Amari is. That's my son. He looked like me. He is. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Go to verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me besides the still water. Watch this. Because of who he is, he leads me or maketh me lie down in green pastures. Because of my relationship, as a result of our relationship, I have access to greener pastures. Some of y'all got dead grass in your life simply because you have no access to the necessary resources to give you green grass. Y'all don't want... (laughs) So, pastures represents unlimited resources and supplies. So, when I have a connection with him and I'm in relationship with him because he is my shepherd, he makes me to lie down in unlimited resources and supplies. Which means that everything that I need as a result of my relationship with him, I got access to. He leads me besides the still waters. What does that represent? If waters was hostile, that means that there's no peace. (laughs) But when you get to still waters, that would suggest that everything is still. Jesus gets out the boat. He says, peace, be still. The water calm down. That means that you're in a place of calm and serenity. If you go to a place and the water is all worked up, that means you might not want to get in it. But when I have relationship, God gives me access to unlimited supplies and resources, and he puts me beside still waters. Somebody shout relationship. relationship. So number one, living requires uh, the right choice. Number two, living requires relationship with Christ. Number three, living requires you to know your enemy. Living This type of life that he promised, it requires you to know your enemy. What do you mean by that? The Bible says in John 10, 10 10a, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Please understand that that's his assignment. He may change the methodology of it, but at the end of the day, he's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. I don't care who he uses to do that. It does not matter what he uses. The ultimate goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And I don't understand why us as believers, we get shocked when the enemy is doing what he's supposed to be doing. That's his job. He's supposed to do what he's doing. The problem is we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. So whenever the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, why is it that we get shocked? I don't know why I'm feeling like this. The devil just been at me. You think? I don't know why I don't feel as happy as I need to. I'm just feeling down in my spirit. The devil must be. Steal, kill, and destroy. We get shocked 
when the enemy tries to come and take us out of here. That's his job. And so in order to effectively fight with the enemy, you got to know the enemy. We, we can't, we can't go into fights and not really understand our adversaries. You got to know who you're going up against. That's why Cleveland at home now trying to get strategy. You got to know your opponent. If we can get Clay Thompson off of this three-point line and stop Steph from shooting threes with... The Bible, go to Psalms 25 in the New King James Version, verse 19. You got to know who you up against. Um, um, uh, I'm a fan of boxing, right? I remember Mike Tyson. Anybody remember Mike Tyson? Mike Tyson, by far, was probably one of the best right hook dudes ever. If he catch you with the right hook, you're done. And so what happens, what happened was he got into a fight with uh, Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas was a mob. Like he wasn't even no real competition. But the fact of the matter is Mike Tyson never trained and positioned himself for the fight. So because of lack of training, lack of adjustments, Mike Tyson went in the fight blind. He did not study his opponent. He did not look at what his opponent likes to do. He didn't look at his best swing. He didn't look at where he goes right or left. He just went into the ring blind. Guess what? Because of his inability to prepare for the fight, Buster Douglas knocked him out. Can I tell you something? If you are not preparing for the fight, the enemy going to continue to knock you out. Tell your neighbor, say, you better know who you fighting. Psalms 25 verse 19. Psalms 25 verse 19. It says, consider my enemies. Keyword, consider. Which means you got to give attention to. You got to do a little research on it. You got to know who you're up against. And if you're going to live the life that God has promised, you better know who you fighting in this season. Elbow your neighbor and say, stop going in the ring blind. The enemy's job is to steal, kill, and destroy. Go to Psalms 38. Psalms 38. Psalms 38. You can keep it in the New King James upper room. Y'all better know who you fight. And it's funny because at some point, if you're fighting the same person, they can't use the same moves to knock you out. His job is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's it. He ain't got no new strategies or none of that. That's his job. He going to come with the same move every time. I don't understand. If you know that he's coming with the same move, why are you still getting hit? I believe some believers just like getting hit. You walk into the fight with your head first. Oh. But then, watch this, get out the ring time and say, I don't know why the devil keeps hitting me with the same move. It's because you are not prepared for the fight. Psalms 38, verse 19 and 20. He says, 
But my enemies are vigorous and they are strong. And those who hate me wrongfully have multiplied. Those also who render evil for good, they are my adversaries because I follow what is good. But my enemies, I need you to understand he's giving a description of his enemies, which would suggest that he's done his homework. If you're going to live the life that God promised, you need to know who you fighting. He says, my enemies are vigorous. He's given a description and they are strong. He's given a description of who he's fighting. And if you're going to live the life that God promised you, you're going to have to know who you fighting. But watch this. One thing I love about God, there are certain things, certain times where we have to fight. But then there are certain times where we don't have to fight. When you understand the enemy, you'll understand that it's not the same fight. It's a spiritual fight. It's not natural. So it's not really based on uh, 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 what, what, what method you use to fight in the natural. Because, you know, we get caught up on fighting in the natural and we don't really consider that it's a physical fight. It's a spiritual fight, rather. And so you working out, you losing weight, you ready to fight. And the devil's still knocking you out with your healthy self. Because you're using the wrong method. It's not the same. Somebody shout, it's not the same fight. fight. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 in the New King James Version. He says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in. Somebody shout in. And in the power of his might. Which would suggest if you're going to receive the life that God's promised, you have to live in him. There's that word in again. You got to make sure that you are in him. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Then he says this. Ephesians chapter 6. There you go. Verse 10. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Somebody say stand. Stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, watch this. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to. It's not the same fight. And if I'm positioning myself to live the life that God has promised, I cannot win a spiritual fight fighting with natural resources. What are natural resources? Y'all going to like this. Many of us are trying to fight this spiritual fight and we got attitudes. We cussing, we fussing, we stressing. We got unnecessary bitterness. We got unnecessary envy, pressure, anger, frustration, built up depression. We got insecurities. We rolling our eyes and popping our necks and smacking our lips and we thinking we winning the fight. Can I tell you something? The devil don't care nothing about your hand, air snatching, smacking and you rolling your neck. The devil don't care nothing about that but when you get into a place where you're fighting from a spiritual perspective that's when he say hold on it's a different fight when you understand who you're in all you got to do is show up to the fight can I give you a secret come here Come in a little bit. Can I tell you something? It's a fixed fight anyway. (laughs) Come back, come back, come back. Can I tell you this? You already won the fight. All you got to do is show up. 
go, go to go to Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, chapter twenty, verse seventeen. <laughs> it's not the same fight, Chris, because what we're doing is the devil getting on my nerve, and I can't take it no more. And uh, uh. calm down. Greater is He that's in me than He that is in the world, which would suggest I ain't even got to be stressing out like this because I got the greater one on the inside of me. So you can do what you want to think you want to fight. At the end of the day, I win. All you got to do is show up. Second Chronicles chapter twenty, verse seventeen. The Bible talks about King Jehoshaphat. Right. And so King Jehoshaphat had some issues. Some enemies came at him. They tried to take their land and take their stuff. So the Bible says that they went on a fast and they prayed. And so the word of the Lord came back. Go to verse 15. The word of the Lord comes back to them. And this is what he says. The Lord says, listen, all of you uh, of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours but God it's not the same fight so you think that the enemy is trying to mess up your life because of something that's around you but you have to understand this fight that you're fighting ain't even yours in the first place but it's God's go to verse 17 so verse 17 he says this you will not need to fight in this battle elbow your neighbor and say wake up you don't even have to fight in this battle position yourselves stand still and see the salvation of the Lord watch this he says do not fear or be dismayed tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is already with you which would suggest because I'm not fighting the same fight all I got to do is show up to the fight and let God do what he's going to do I got to do show up I got I got angels back in me I got the name I got the blood I got partners to touch and agree with me I can't lose and many people yeah I feel you in the Holy Ghost many of you thinking you losing just because you get hit one or two times that don't mean that the fight is over. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. So the ending of the battle is not based on what I see physically, but it's based on what I know spiritually. And because I'm walking by my faith and not by my sight, even though it looks like I'm going to lose, I'm still going to win because I believe God. can't lose y'all ain't listening to me in here I cannot lose because I got God I got a legion of angels that's standing behind me they cheering for me I cannot lose I know you feel uh huh know you feel bad in this season up and through here some of y'all it's the halfway point and you losing and you feeling like, I don't know how we going to come back. It ain't really looking good. 
My shot ain't falling. I can't make a free throw. I can't make a layup. I can't get a prayer to come through. I can't receive. I'm not in the right spot. It seems like the devil is winning. It seems like I'm about to die in this situation. But God told me to tell you that you will not die in this situation. You shall live. You do know that higher, I used to hear, uh, growing up, grandma and them used to have Terry in service, and I used to sit there in the back of church, and, and they'd be, oh, Jesus, 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 oh, Jesus, and one of the mothers would just shout, higher, and see, as a young boy, I, I didn't. I didn't know, Fallon. I, I didn't know what higher really meant because I was a little boy. But when I got older, I went to school and understood a little Greek and Hebrew. I discovered that higher means to live. And so now it makes sense why I had long life because Grandmama was in the church praying for me and praying for her babies, and she was saying higher in every area of my life higher. In my finances, higher. In my family, higher. In my circumstance, higher. At my job, that 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 devil that's in my supervisor will not get victory in my life, higher. In my kids, I know they're acting a fool and smoking weed now, but higher over my babies as they go to school there will be no straight bullets hitting them over my family we want God to release a higher spirit can I tell you in this place that you shall not die but you shall higher somebody shall higher Can I help encourage you? Uh, I need to tell you that you're not going to die in this situation. Tell the enemy to cancel the funeral. Joseph said, y'all meant it for evil, but God turned it around for my good. Slap somebody high five and say, neighbor, you will not die, but you shall live higher over my life. I'm trying to stop, but I feel God moving in the room and I need you to live, live, live. Be not weary in well doing for in due season you shall reap if you faint not somebody shout higher tell the devil to cancel the repast take the chicken back take the potato salad back don't bring no food to the house I will not die but I shall live I don't need no flowers I'm not looking at caskets because I will live
to see the works of the Lord. Somebody tell, tell your neighbor, I got to stop. But I'm looking at myself in the mirror. All I need to say, Pastor Twan, hiya. already counted you out he made funeral arrangements for you but I got news for the devil don't call the coroner don't call the funeral home because I ain't gonna be no funeral I'm about to live better than I ever lived before this is still the greatest season of my life this is the greatest season of my life I won't die in this season I won't die in this season because this is the greatest season of my life and I gotta be here to feel it to touch it to taste it oh taste and see three people half out and just say live, live, live. Floyd, I'm trying to move but that live is is ringing in my ear. Some of y'all watch this. You should have been dead. first six months ain't been the best six months but I decree and declare this next six months will be the greatest months of my life if you believe it shout against the spirit of premature strokes, heart attacks, nervous breakdowns, depression, low self-esteem. You will not be taken out, but you shall live. Premature deaths, Satan, I got news for you. Your assignment is canceled. Won't be no premature funerals in here. 
All right, y'all sit down. Sit down. Lift your hands up. I, I want to finish, but something is happening. It's not, it's not the same fight. The reason why you're about to stroke out because you're trying to carry weight that don't belong to you. So God says it's time for you to live. To live the life that he promised. So we're going to stop here. Lift your hands up and receive. 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 Uh. Uh-huh. There's a spirit of suicide that creeped into some lives of people that's in this room. I cancel it now. Cancel it now. There's 13 of you. The doctor gave you a report along the lines of if you don't stop doing this, you might not make it. That assignment, cancel. There's some people in the room now. You've been carrying the burden of your family. The burden is so heavy for you that you can't even enjoy your own life. I release and break the back of the spirit of pride in the name of Jesus. Brain aneurysms, different stages of diabetes, cancer. I heard you, Holy Ghost. Cancel it now in the name of Jesus. Hiya! Hallelujah.